welcome to everyone today, and especially if you're a guest with us this morning, we want to welcome you. We are so happy to have you in service with us today. If you're watching us online, wherever you may be watching from, pray that you are blessed by what's going on here. One of the things that's so awesome about God is He is not limited to any specific place. He's everywhere. You can reach out and connect with Him anytime, any place. And that is so awesome. Praise God. Would you stand? If you would go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Begin reading with verse number 20. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. What an awesome presence of the Lord. What an awesome work of the Spirit that's taking place here. And um, we're about to shift directions. I believe the Holy Ghost has spoken to me. and I hope and pray that somebody has ears to hear this morning. If you're here today, you can write this off as just me trying to be overly dramatic or whatever. But if you're here today, I don't care who you are. I don't care how many times. I don't care if you're a faithful church. We got church members that aren't here today. You're not here by accident. Contrary to your opinion, you're not here by your choice. Oh, I mean, I don't mean that God has violated your will, but what I mean is God worked in your life, orchestrated circumstances. You're not here by chance. Somebody needs to hear me right now because I believe there's some people in this place that you need to hear the word of the Lord today. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. That means we as believers are pleading in Christ's place. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Chapter 6, verse number 1, We then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. We beseech you that you don't waste the precious gift of God's grace. Verse number two, for he saith, I have heard of thee, and Paul here is quoting something that's written in the book of Isaiah. I have heard thee in a time accepted. 
And in the day, somebody say the day, not a day, but the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now, somebody say right now, now is the accepted time. Behold, now, now, now is the day of salvation. The Amplified Bible says it this way, verse 1, Laboring together as God's fellow workers with him then, we beg of you not to receive the grace of God in vain. That merciful kindness by which God exerts his holy influence on souls and turns them to Christ. Keeping and strengthening them, do not receive it to no purpose. Do not receive God's grace to no purpose. For he says, in the time of favor, of an, un, of an assured welcome, I have listened to and heeded your call, and I have helped you on the day of deliverance, the day of salvation. Behold, now is truly the time for a gracious welcome and acceptance of you from God. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And then today's English version says it this way. In our work together with God, then, we beg you who have received God's grace, not let it be wasted. Hear what God says. When the time came for me to show you favor, I heard you. When the day arrived for me to save you, I helped you. Listen. Listen. This is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day to be saved. Oh God, I feel something settling in this place right now. This, this, this is the hour to receive God's favor. Today, today, today is the day to be saved. Father, I loose the conviction of the Holy Ghost to work in this place right now. God, I'm not here to preach a sermon to motivate an emotional response. Eternity is too important for that, God. Our souls are too valuable for that. But I believe in the power and the work of the Holy Ghost. And I pray, God, that it would be done in this place today. Somebody, God, there's somebody here today that needs to hear your word. And I pray that there would be an anointing upon their ear to hear, to receive, and to respond to your word today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I know some of you, this may be your first time in an apostolic church. And you may be used to, if you're going to church before, you may be used to a pastor that just stands and very calmly speaks to you. I'm not, I'm not here to fit a mold today. 
in, in any way, but and I'm here to share what I what is on my heart, and and uh, I, all I know is I don't know what I know. I, I, if again, if this is your first time in an apostolic church, I hope it's been different. If it hasn't, we have failed you. We're not trying to be like everybody else. And one of the highest compliments you could ever pay us is, "We're crazy." I ain't never seen anybody like y'all. That's fine with us. But I, 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 I feel I, I felt this message, but I feel a soberness settling at least on me, and so I, I'm I'm here to deliver what the Lord has given me. I want to preach to you for a few minutes this morning on an ordinary day. An ordinary day. On December the 8th, President Roosevelt Franklin says, Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Yesterday, it is hard to believe, but yesterday we celebrated 20 years, or not celebrated, commemorated 20 years of the attacks that took place in New York City and in Washington, D.C., 20 years. And I think President Roosevelt's words from Pearl Harbor could be said just as much as with regards to September the 11th, 2001. It is a day that will live in infamy. Most of the adults in this place and even some younger people in this place, even perhaps uh, some 20-something-year-olds, I doubt beyond that, you may have been born in 2000, but if you're uh, you're, you you got to be at least a couple of years old, but we could go around this room today and talk about where were you, what was going on when you heard the news of 9-11, the media, the internet was not then what it is now, social media is, was not then what it is now. I was, Martin and I were chatting a few minutes yesterday about it and he had been watching a documentary. I had been watching a documentary and I, I made the point, not sure, I'm not, this isn't some brilliant thing. It just, the thought crossed my mind. Can you imagine if we had the same phones we have now in 2001 when that happened, the amount of video footage beyond what was captured, would have been captured. If we went around this room today, we could, we could recall where we were when you actually heard, I was here in this building. We had a school at that time. I was principal of the school. And uh, I, I, I got a call from my wife who was on the way to Carlisle, Pennsylvania with our three kids at that time. Nathaniel was not born yet. Timothy was just about to be a year old. And she called me because I think she heard it on the radio. And that's the way I found out about it. And so uh, we had some TV monitors. Some of you will understand the uh, the sarcasm of that statement. Others of you don't 
There's no meaning to that, but we had some TV monitors in the building, and uh, I found one, and I found a wire hanger, and I hooked it into the back of the TV to create an antenna, and began to sit down in the school office and watch as news coverage began to unfold. There was a bit of uncertainty with my wife and three small children on their way to Pennsylvania, but then there was another side of me that thought, you know what, they're getting farther away from all this. I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> we could go again person after person, and you could, you could probably tell, if I remember correctly, I've heard my brother tell he was at Anne Arundel Community College, and news began to break out, and they began to gather around and watch the televisions as the news unfolded as to the events of 9-11. We commemorate 9-11, but what about 9-10? President Roosevelt talked about December 7th being a day that would live in infamy. But what about December 6th? They were just ordinary days. They were just another day that no one really anticipated what the next day held. For many of us, the next day is something that's now a memory. But for 3,000 plus people, they didn't know that September the 10th was the last day. They didn't know the events that would unfold on September the 11th. I read a couple of days ago, in fact, on September the 10th by... Uh, Brother Raymond Woodward, he pastors in Canada, travels and ministers throughout the world. And he posted this on Facebook. Everyone remembers September the 11th, 2001, where they were that Tuesday, what they saw, how they felt. But who remembers the day before? September 10th, 2001 was a day of unappreciated ironies and unexpectedly faithful decisions, a day when the important was overlooked and the trivial was exaggerated. For many, September 10th was the last day of an era, but for 3,031 people who would be at the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and on four hijacked airliners the next day, it was the last day of their lives. For them, September 10th was the last time they would ever walk out at closing time, ride home on the train, eat dinner with the family, fight over the remote. It was the last bedtime story, the last conversation with a loved one, the last kiss goodnight. The day before September 11th was like any other day and yet unlike any other. For them, what the world would forever call the day before would actually be their final day. Twenty years later, everything has changed, and yet nothing at all has changed. Today, September the 10th, 2021, is a day of unappreciated ironies and unexpectedly faithful decisions. A day when the important is often overlooked and the trivial is often exaggerated. Paul says that today... Today, today, this moment, you may never get this moment again. You may never get another Sunday again. You may never get another church service again. I know we want to write it all 
off because we think everything is fine in our lives, but you've got no guarantee that you could pull off this hill and a car you didn't see coming could broadside you and that could be the last moment. Today is the day. This is the hour. I preach to some people today. You are intending to go to heaven. You don't want to go to hell, but your plan is someday that I've come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost today this may be an ordinary day in a whole lot of ways but this may be the day for you and this could possibly be the final day I know I don't normally preach this way but I feel it this morning my concern, though, is some of you just going to write me off. You're just trying to scare me, preacher. You're just trying to scare me. I'm not really here to just try to scare you. But if I scared you and you changed, it would sure be worth it. I, I, I'm not asking you to take over with volume and whatever, but I need, some, I need somebody to pray. I need somebody to pray because there's some, I, I don't know who you are, but somebody today, somebody this morning, I may be preaching to one single person, but somebody, the Holy Ghost has come to tell you today, this may be another ordinary Sunday that you've gone through before, but it could be that today, that this is the hour. Proverbs 27 and 1. Solomon says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We got plans. I, I, I'd be surprised if there's, not an, if there's an adult in this room that doesn't have some kind of plans for tomorrow. Those plans may be simply just getting up and going to work because that's what you normally do on a Monday. Every one of us, every one of us has got plans. And perhaps the remainder of the week, maybe you've got some event plan. You've got something you're looking forward to. And everything is gearing up for that moment. But today... Today, today, that breath is the last breath you have guaranteed. Oh, Jesus. That breath you just took, that other one you just took, you got no guarantee of another one. You've got no guarantee of another one. And I'm preaching to some people today that you would be better off taking everything you've got and going to the casino at Arundel Mills and blowing it all because the cost of that is a lot less than the cost of gambling your soul that you've got another chance, you've got another day, I'll have another opportunity. James says this in James 4, verse number 13. Go to now, you that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. 
Message Bible says, and now I have a word for you who brashly announced today at the latest tomorrow, we're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're nothing but a wisp of fog catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing, and that is absolutely the truth. But the problem is that's talking about this life because every single one of us has a soul and that soul is eternal and that soul is going to spend an eternity someplace. I know, I know this isn't normal preaching for 2021. It's your best life now. It's, it's all these wonderful motivational speeches. But the scripture says, what does it profit a man if he gained the world? What does it profit a man if he gains the world? What does it matter if you become the richest person in the entire world, but you lose your soul because the riches of this world are temporary? But your soul is eternal. It's eternal. Uh, Preacher, I don't know. I just don't know if I really believe about this life after death thing. Prove it to me. To be honest with you, I know I'm the preacher, I'm the pastor, and this may disappoint or even disillusion some of you. But other than what the Word of God says, I, I can't prove it to you. I can't show you life after death. I, I, I can't do that. I can tell you what the Word of God says. The Word of God that I have put my faith in, that I live my life based upon, that I trust that it is true and real, and that many others in this place today would say the same thing. I trust what this book says. So then what happens if I live my life the way I'm living it? What happens if I give my will up, my life up to what this book says and let this book govern my life? And at the end, I find out there is nothing after death. What happens then? Oh, well. Oh, well. What have I lost? What have I lost? Nothing. You can't show me a life that's worth trading over this life, even if there is no eternity. Even if there is no heaven or hell, I I watched yesterday with very, very mixed emotions, but there were a few positive ones in there. I watched yesterday as a bridal shower took place in my yard. I watched as friends and family gathered together. I watched people that have been a part of our lives for as long as Esther's been alive and Many who go back before, I watched as they gathered and I, I watched as the love was exchanged there. Are you, what have I got to lose? Assuming we get there time-wise, I'm looking forward to next May celebrating 30 years of marriage. What have I lost? What have I lost if I find out at the end religion was all a joke? 
What have I lost if I get to the end and find out there really was no God? What have I lost? Great relationships, wonderful people, a church family. This is not where I just go to church. This is my family. People I love dearly, people that are just like a brother and a sister to me, just as close as natural brothers and sisters could be. What have I lost? But if you want to gamble that there's nothing, therefore you can live this life however you want to live. If you find out you were wrong and there really is something after death and there really was a God and this book really was true, then what have you lost? You've lost everything. Everything. So today, life is but a vapor. All of you that are in your 60s and 70s and 80s, and we got at least one person I know of that's in their 90s, please humor me for a moment. Because I know you're, the young folks are 50 is ancient, and then there's some folks in here that you're like, you're a kid. So I got a grandmother sitting here in her 90s. I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it, I can literally cannot process that I am about six weeks away. Me. Not my dad. Me. From being 50 years. How did that happen? Not be, I'm really not trying to be facetious. I'm being serious in the context of this. How did that happen? I, I'm pretty sure. I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure if I sat down with my 90-plus-year-old grandmother, she would say, I don't know how I got here. Because I'm learning this, and some of you told me it's even worse. The older you get, the more it flies by. Where's 2021 gone? Almost over. Life is but a vapor. It's just a vapor. There's some 16, 17 year olds that you can actually, if you get out of your, you know, expectations of what you're still waiting on, you'd go, how did I get here? We want to invest everything we've got and we want to live for this present world You want to fit God into your schedule. You want to give God a few moments here and there. Today. 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 I Hear me clearly. I am not prophesying that there is somebody in this room today that you're about to. I'm not saying that. But I'm just telling you. Because the bottom line is your last chance is not always based on your life ending. Sometimes your last chance is based on the fact that you have frustrated the grace of God. You've taken what was given to you and used it in vain. There's no parent in this place that if you had adult children that were in need of money and you kept giving them hundreds and hundreds of dollars if you had it to give, but they go out and keep wasting it and wasting it, you're not going to keep giving it to them. 
You're not going to keep investing for them to just go blow your hard-earned money. Why should God take grace that cost him his life and just keep giving it to you for you to squander? Just keep giving it to you for you to go live life your way, do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. Oh, I don't, you know, surely there's nobody in here saying this, but I could hear some folks saying this. What about a loving God? What about a merciful and gracious God? Exactly. That's what this moment is. It's a loving God who says, today is the day. It's a merciful God who says, this is the moment. This is the opportunity. That is a loving, gracious God. If he wasn't loving and gracious, then he wouldn't warn us. He warned us. It's a vapor. You can't gamble. You can't plan out your future. You've got no idea. Got no idea. No idea. I I can remember... Many of us got other days that we can remember things. I can remember several years ago now, my wife and I were in New Orleans. We had gone away for a, uh, a, a conference we were going to attend. We went in a day early to just have a little bit of time to just relax and we were we were we were asleep and i was awakened around 5 a.m. in the morning by a text that went out to several senior leaders in this church that ramona brown had just died not ramona 30 years old not ramona My wife and I were youth pastors for seven years. She was a part of our youth group that we led. She was one of the sweetest, supportive people in the group. She had just told my wife just days or weeks before that, Sister Wright, I just want you, I'm here for you. Anything you need me, anything you need help with, don't hesitate to call me. It's not not just because, it's not just the bad people. Got no guarantee. Got no guarantee. Absolutely no guarantee. You may be absolutely sold out to Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean you can't drop dead this afternoon. That's why there should never be a wasted moment like this. That's why I don't care how saved you think you are. You shouldn't come just sit through a service because God knows where you are and what you need. God knows what the future holds and there may be some final tuning up that he's trying to do. I, 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 I will say one of the most, one of the most, I really think I could say the most but I'll leave it at one of the most sobering moments I've ever had in my life. It was probably, I think, about four or five years ago at the most. As I sat in the living room of my grandmother's apartment. She got saved when she was 12 years old. In her 90s, she was in her late 80s at that point. Godly praying woman. 
A couple of years ago, she calls me, wasn't feeling well. Can, I want you to come pray for me, David. I've, I walked into her house, and Sister Evans, I'm like, I felt like, gee, I felt like John the Baptist. I don't need to pray for you. I need you to pray for me. Praying woman. I am, I'm, I'm 100% certain part of the reason I'm where I am today is because of her prayers. I, I can remember as a teenager in this church school walking by. This used to be there, this floor that you're sitting on originally was not in this building. This was an open two-story building. And this whole thing was the auditorium. The platform was about over here along this wall. And right over there in the corner in the bottom level was some double doors that led to the old foyer and into the other building. And I can remember walking by there sometimes during the day she worked in the nursery here at the church and I can remember sometimes walking by in the daytime and I could hear her in there praying and talking to God and I, God only knows the hours she's prayed and I sat there a few years ago as she looked at me and said there's no one I trust more to make sure in these final moments that I'm ready for eternity than you You don't need me. <laughs> you made it. That wasn't the attitude. I'm not just preaching to somebody today that you've never been born again or maybe somebody that you've been living in a backslidden condition. None of us can take our salvation for granted. None of us can ever think we've got this all wrapped up. It's over with. Happens in sports all the time. People think games are over with. Turn off the game and you go to bed thinking your team won. Wake up the next morning and find out it didn't happen. The scripture says, He that endureth to the end shall be. Not he that gets almost to the end. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 16 says this, And he, that is Jesus, he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build, get, and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat drink and be merry based on everything he saw in his life he had a lot of living left to go he was a rich man I'm assuming he was a healthy man Jesus says God said unto him thou fool this night Thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich 
toward God. Everything looks good. Everything's in order. I've got everything mapped out, planned out. Life is looking good. Or how about this? That You know what? I've messed up in the past, but I always made my way back. So if I have a few more oopses in the future, by the time it's all done with, I'm going to get back. What if today... What if today is not a day of salvation for you? But what if today is the day of salvation? Ecclesiastes 9 and 11. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance happeneth to all. Time and chance happen to all. Was it last, two weeks, week and a half ago, two Almost two weeks ago that Ida came through here, right? What was left of it? Tore through Louisiana. That hurricane didn't just go through Louisiana and destroy the houses of sinners. That hurricane didn't just go through Louisiana and wreck the lives of sinners. There were godly people that lost homes. There were godly people whose businesses were destroyed. Because according to what Solomon said, and I'm about to argue with the wise man, that's probably not smart, but Solomon says time and chance happen to all. The point I want to argue is it's not chance. It's not chance. There is nothing that happens in your life that can happen without God's permission. There's nothing. But in the context of, I think, what Solomon meant, good things and bad things happen to all of us. I've watched precious saints of God get sick with cancer and die. I've watched people that walk with God for decades after decades get diseases and pray and die. I don't want to be insensitive in any way here, and I hope this is not, but precious couple sitting over here, guy I grew up with, one of my good friends, Ben Kimbrell and Sister Stephanie Kimbrell, with an infant that passed away just a few days, relatively speaking, after. Uh, they're, they're, these are some of the most dedicated, committed people I know. If anybody deserved, if anybody deserved for their baby to be healed, they deserve. But time and chance happens to all. Happens to all. We want to gamble. I want to take a risk. I want to take a risk that punching a clock for an hour and a half every week is enough to get you there. The thing that's going to last forever. I'm 
sorry, you may be a good business negotiator, but your negotiation skills don't work with God. He's not interested in negotiating lower terms with you. For man also knoweth not his time. As the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. Again, the, the, the consolation that you and I have is, I understand what Solomon is saying, but the scripture also says, it is appointed unto man once to die. God has set that appointment. It doesn't happen randomly. It doesn't happen by chance. But the bottom line is we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know. We have no idea. No idea. So today is the day Last passage, Isaiah 55, in verse number 6. Oh, actually, next to last passage, sorry. Look, look, look at what the Scripture says. Seek ye the Lord, what? What? While he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. The New Century Version says verse 6 this way, So you should look for the Lord before it is too late. You should call to him while he is near. If there is a time where he may be found, then that implies there can be a time where he may not be found. If there is a time while he is a ne- while he is near there can be a time when he is not near Luke 18:35 and it came to pass that he as he was come nigh unto Jericho a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging I, I before I finish reading that If there is an accepted time, an acceptable time, that means there is an unacceptable time. If God has given you an acceptable time, there can come a moment where there is an unacceptable time. You want to gamble? You want to gamble, there's still time for you for an acceptable time. You want to gamble with the fact, what if, what if, what if, what if this is the last opportunity? What if this is the last chance that God is extending salvation to you? What if it's the last, I, I will readily acknowledge to you, it. It, it, is, it is very hard to get to the point to convince God to leave you alone. Thank God. And it, it is also very hard to get to the point where he says, okay, no more grace. It is very hard to get there. 
And I will tell you with 100% confidence, there's not a person in this room right now that you're at that point. That doesn't mean we can't get there. It doesn't mean we can keep kicking the can of God's grace down the road. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Old song sung by one of my all-time favorite groups says, Tomorrow, forget about tomorrow. Better choose the Lord today. For tomorrow very well might be too late. T tomorrow. Oh, God. The, 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 the. I, I, I'm learning. In fact, there's things that are teaching me anymore, that are teaching me even more. You can't always judge by what you see. And I hope that what I see from some of you is not accurate. That there is something going on down deep inside that your face is not showing. Oh, come on, preacher. Come on, preacher. Game's going to kick off in a little while. Got to get my lunch so I can get down and sit down and get ready for the game. Or yeah, I got this. I got that. Come on. I, I didn't come here for the. You know, most of you didn't come here for this today. That's not what you came for. But why else are we here? If not for eternal reasons, why else are we here? If all you came for was, Brother Wright, our world is a mess. We came to be encouraged and uplifted. Then go listen to Shine FM 95.1 or 91.9, whichever it is. Positive, encouraging, uplifting. Go listen to that. But sometimes the most positive things you need to hear are the things that are the realest. And heaven and hell is just as real as this life. In fact, it's more real than this life because all this is just temporary. It's not going, but that's going to last. Luke 18, 35, it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. That blind man said, sat there and recognized this may be the only moment I have to get my miracle. This may be the only time that Jesus ever crosses my path. I've got no guarantee that some other day Jesus is going to pass by me. I don't know that I might be able to get a miracle next week. And so when they told him who was coming, he began to cry, Jesus Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He was inconveniencing those around him just like this message is inconveniencing a few of you. But that did not stop him. There was something of desperation that rose up inside and said, I will not let this moment 
pass me by. And so he cried out even more. No matter how much they tried to hush him, he cried out even more. I wonder if there's anybody honest enough in this place to recognize that God might be talking to you today. And if he is talking to you, you might have to not worry about what other people think. You might not have to worry about what others might say. But the same desperation that that blind man had needs to get released in you that says, I'm not going to let this opportunity, I will not let this day go by because I've got no guarantee. This may seem to be an ordinary day, but what if? What if tomorrow is your day of infamy? What if tomorrow is your day of infamy? This may be an ordinary day. I love Sundays. Sundays are my favorite day of the week for all kinds of reasons. I just I I, I love not first and foremost because being in church is one of my favorite things to do. One of my other favorite I'm getting one of my other favorite things about Sunday. Most of y'all here know I am a I am a mission barbecue addict. Just the other day, I went in there, met somebody for lunch on a Thursday, I think it was, and one of the workers opens the door, and he looks at me and says, you're messing me up. It's not Sunday. It's pretty much, if it's my choice, we're going to be at Mission Barbecue on West Street every Sunday. But I actually have a favorite meal more than Mission Barbecue for Sunday, and that's Breakfast. I don't think the rest of my family feels the same way, so I don't force it. Today, getting breakfast. Grits and eggs. No, no sugar in the grits. I am, I am a Marylander by birth, but I'm a Southerner by taste buds. Ain't nothing like mixing those buttery grips grits in with your scrambled eggs. <sighs> A couple of strips of bacon, pig bacon, not turkey bacon, not chicken bacon, not veggie bacon. I was at breakfast the other morning at Andrew Holder, and he's ordering chicken sausage and turkey sausage and chicken. I'm like, dude. love Sunday. I love Sunday. I love Sunday. I'm 52 times 49. That's how many Sundays. Probably 90% of them I've been in church. Sundays would be just another day. It would be just another day. I, I recognize this morning. I'm not just preaching to you. I've got no gear. I, I plan to be here tonight. I'm looking forward to tonight. It's going to be a great service. I, I feel like for my part of the service, I have a word from God. For I'm looking, but I've got no guarantee. What if, what if this ordinary day is your September the 10th? What if this ordinary day is your December the 6th? What if? Oh, preacher, you're just trying to scare me. 
Not really, but probably. But even if I am trying to scare you, it's not, it, it's not for my benefit. The fact you got a soul. There's grace that you might be frustrating if you're not careful. Heard my dad tell the story several times now. Before he and my mother came to Annapolis to start this church, he was traveling and preaching. He tells the story of one service he was ministering in, and a young man came down and knelt at the altar and began to cry out to God and began to scream out, God, let me feel your presence one more time. God, let me feel your presence one more time. He was a young man who had grown up in the church but had been in and out and fooled around and made all kinds of decisions that he wanted to make. And now he's trying to get down to business and he can't feel anything. And the way I recall the story is that's the way it ended. It's bowed, eyes closed. I don't mean this unkind. I really don't, but I feel like if I need to give an invitation to come pray, then I have not succeeded. If i got to invite you to come to the altar, I, I don't think I've done the job this morning. If you need me to beg you to come pray, I, I haven't succeeded. I know it's not me. It's not my ability. I, don't, I, I know that, but at the same time, there's not a voluntary response in you if there's not a voluntary response in you I've made my appeal for the last 45 minutes I've made my appeal for the last 45 minutes oh God God whoever it is today that you're trying to reach Whoever it is today you're talking to, I know there's somebody, God. In this crowd of people, it may be one single individual this morning. Whoever it is, God. Whoever it is that may be viewing this as just an ordinary day. Just another ordinary day. God, if, if something's coming, if something's about to change, don't let them miss the acceptable time. Don't let them miss the moment. Don't let them miss the opportunity that is being given right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. You get some more help in the altar. Hey, 
What if today is not the day for me and there's going to be another day? What if there's going to be more opportunities? You're right. You're right. You're right. But is it worth the gamble? Maybe there are more. Maybe there will be more. But is it worth the gamble? Is it worth gambling your soul over? Is it worth gambling your eternity that there'll be another chance, there'll be another opportunity? We're not talking a few hundred dollars you're gambling away. We're, we're not talking about a couple of thousand dollars. We're, we're not talking about a life savings you're gambling away. We're talking about your soul. Your soul. Your soul. your grace and your mercy work today in hearts and lives. You are a merciful God. You are a gracious God. You are a forgiving God. But we've got to take advantage of the opportunities you give. We've got to respond to that mercy and that grace. I don't ever get to a place where I'm beyond needing his mercy and grace. I don't ever graduate from a need for his mercy and grace. The only point at which I don't need any more mercy and grace is when I die or when we get raptured. But until then, I need mercy. I need grace. I need your mercy. the fallow ground of every heart in this place. Soften every callous heart in this place. Soften every calloused heart in this place, God. Let our hearts be good ground for the seed of your word today. Let our hearts be good ground for the seed of your word today. your mercy, Lord. I need your grace. I need your grace. Hallelujah.
need your hand leading the way. Oh, I can't make it without. I can't make it without you, Lord. Not for one day. Oh, yes, Jesus. I need your mercy. I need your mercy. I need your mercy. I need your grace. There are those that are still praying. God is still ministering to. If you need to go, want to go, you're welcome to do that whenever you're ready. But don't be in a hurry. If you're praying, if the Lord is talking to you, dealing with you, don't be in a hurry. Let him do what he wants to do in your life today. Let him do what he wants to do in your heart today.